Welcome back to the OBG Med Student Podcast. These podcasts are designed for medical students that are rotating on their OB-GYN clerkship. I am Dr. Tanya Wright, the clerkship director here at the Hershey Medical Center, Penn State College of Medicine. We will typically cover the APGO learning objectives as outlined at www.apgo.org backslash students. Today, we're going to cover two educational topics. Topic number three, covering pap tests and DNA probes and cultures. And topic number seven, covering preventative care and health maintenance. In the past, these podcasts have been interview style. Today, I'm actually going to walk you guys through the Well Woman exam, also known as the annual exam. This will be most helpful when you start to see patients in the clinic and when you're asked to take a comprehensive history for patients that are presenting for their annual visit. So even though I'm without a co-host today, we are going to walk through some very important information and hopefully this will be helpful for you as you start seeing patients in the clinic. So let's get started. The American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, also known as ACOG, encourages us to think of patients as falling into four main age categories, ages 13 through 18, ages 19 through 39, ages 40 to 64, and patients over the age of 65. We will use this approach, and I encourage you to do the same when you're evaluating patients. Let us start by looking firstly at patients between the ages of 13 through 18. ACOG recommends that patients have their first GYN visit between age 13 and 15 years. The purpose of this visit is to really assess their health status and to provide anticipatory guidance. It does not necessarily have to include a pelvic exam, especially in patients that are not sexually active or don't have a complaint. Let us look at some of the things that you should consider in patients presenting between the ages 13 through 18. You want to start the visit by assessing why the patient is presenting to you. They may simply say that they're here for a routine checkup or for an annual visit or a well woman visit, but some may say it's for contraception. So once you establish why the patient is presenting to you, then you'll want to take a very detailed and comprehensive history. This history should include their medical history, surgical history, certainly their reproductive health history that includes their gynecologic problems like any history of pelvic infections or whether or not they've been sexually active. You also want to get a very detailed menstrual history. The menstrual history gives vital information about the patient's overall well-being. Are the periods regular? Do they occur every month? When did they start? How long did they last? Are they perceived as heavy? Is there clotting or flooding? Are there issues with quality of life being affected by the, by the menstrual cycles? Are they painful? Are they requiring pain medicine or anti-inflammatories or frequent nurse visits at school? The menses is described as a very important vital sign. Patterns that may require evaluation include no menses within three years of thelarchy, so breast development, no menses by age 13 with no sign of pubertal development, no menses by age 14 with signs of hirsutism, no menses by age 14 with indications of an eating disorder, 
No menses by age 15. A history of regular menses that are now markedly irregular. Menses that occur more frequently than 21 days or less frequently than every 45 days. Menses that occur 90 days apart for one cycle. Our menstrual cycle or menstrual bleeding that lasts more than seven days. And furthermore, if they describe frequent tampon or pad changes at more than one tampon or pad every one to two hours. A detailed family medical history is also important. Consider asking questions to assess their dietary and nutritional status. You'd want to ask about their level of physical activity and have them list all the medications that they're currently taking, including those that may be considered alternative medications. You'll want to ask about cigarette smoking, illicit drug use, and alcohol intake. Finally, you may ask or screen for emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, and ask about sexual practices including vaginal, anal, and oral sex, their sexual orientation, number of partners, contraceptive use, and exchange of sex for drugs or money. These are questions that should be asked in the absence of the parent or guardian. When seeing patients between the ages of 13 and 18, you'll want to perform a physical exam. The physical exam will include a documentation of the patient's height, weight, BMI, blood pressure, secondary sexual characteristics or tanner staging, and then the pelvic exam would only be done when indicated by the medical history. You can also perform an abdominal exam and whatever other physical examinations as clinically appropriate. In terms of screening, patients that are sexually active should be screened for chlamydia, gonorrhea, and HIV. Additionally, this is a good time to discuss the HPV vaccination. So the HPV vaccination is routinely recommended at ages 11 through 12 and can start at age 9 and catch up HPV vaccination recommended for all persons through age 18 years if not adequately vaccinated. So two or three doses are usually given depending on when they initially got the vaccination. So if they got the vaccination between age 9 through 14, then it's only a two-dose series at zero and then between 6 to 12 months is the second dose. If they got the first dose at age 15 or older, then it is a three-dose series with the first given at zero months, the next at one to two months, and the next at six months. If completed valid vaccination series with any HPV vaccine has already been done, then there's no additional need for dosing. However, this is a good time to assess that. With respect to counseling in this patient population, you'll want to address any high-risk sexual behaviors as well as pregnancy prevention with contraceptive options and sexually transmitted infection protection with barrier protection. This is also a good time to assess and encourage physical activity and dietary nutritional changes that are considered healthy, especially in patients that have concerns for eating disorders and obesity. It is a good time to recommend a multivitamin as well. From a psychosocial standpoint, you'll want to evaluate for any depressive symptoms or anything that puts the patient at risk for suicide. You'll want to get a sense of their interpersonal and family relationships, their sexual orientation and gender identity. Whether or not they have personal goals developed or have any other concerns when it comes to behavioral or learning disorders. Certainly, you'll want to assess for emotional, physical, and sexual abuse by family or partner. You can discuss their school experience and their peer relationships. 
And finally, this is a good time during your counseling to address issues related to hygiene, including dental or injury prevention. So exercise or the possession of firearms or the location of fire, firearms within the home and certainly such things as wearing helmets or seat belts and not texting while driving. And so that just about covers in a very comprehensive fashion what the annual or Wellman visit would encompass in a patient between the age of 13 through 18. Now let's move on to patients that are between the ages of 19 and 39, the young woman. This focuses more on reproductive issues and is considered the reproductive years. In this group, I like to think of some of the big things as the four Ps. So pregnancy planning, pregnancy prevention, the pap test, as well as other preventative needs. So let's work through this. As with any other patient, we will start the visit by obtaining a very thorough and detailed history, assessing their medical, surgical, menstrual, and reproductive health history, documenting their family history, as well as other things such as social history, etc. Much like in our patient between the ages of 13 through 18. On the physical exam, you'll have to have documented their height, weight, a calculation of their BMI, as well as a check on the blood pressure. Their physical exam should be a little bit more um, extensive. So you'll wanna do a neck exam to assess for adenopathy and the thyroid exam. You'll also be recommending a breast exam. You can offer this to women between the ages of 25 through 39 every one to three years in a shared decision-making fashion. You'll perform an abdominal exam, and then finally, the pelvic examination. So patients between the ages of 19 to 20 should have a pelvic exam recommended if only it's indicated based on the medical history. After age 21, however, a periodic pelvic exam should be performed. During this pelvic exam, cervical cancer screening can be performed with a pap test. Cervical cancer screening should be performed between ages 21 through 29 every three years with cytology alone. After age 30, co-testing with cytology and HPV testing every five years is preferred. Women with any of the following risk factors may require even more frequent cervical cancer screening, including women who are infected with HIV, women who are immunosuppressed, such as those receiving a renal transplant, women who are exposed to DES in utero, and women who had been previously treated for CIN2, CIN3 are cancer. When there are cervical cytology abnormalities, the frequency with which the pap tests are collected may vary. For more specific guidance on how frequently pap tests should be collected and how to manage any abnormalities, you can visit www.asccp.org. With respect to evaluation and ages of 19 and 39, a lot of your focus will be on whether this patient is pregnancy planning or interested in preventing an unwanted pregnancy. If they're interested in preventing an unwanted pregnancy, this is a great time to discuss their contraceptive options. 
we give a detailed review of this in our episode on family planning. If the patient is interested in pregnancy planning, this is also a good time to review some preconceptional counseling. This patient population should be screened for intimate partner violence. And additionally, you should consider whether or not this patient has cardiovascular risk factors, given consideration to their family history, whether or not they have high blood pressure, dyslipidemia, or obese, or they themselves have diabetes. This is a great time to counsel on lifestyle modifications and nutritional improvements. And finally, more specific to this patient population is the issue of breast cancer screening. So in patients that are average risk or low risk for breast cancer based on their personal and family history, we recommend self-breast awareness. And you can listen to more about this in our podcast on breast disorders. Let's move into our next age category. This is age 40 through 60. This is our mature woman patient population with a focus on the transition to menopause. For this reason, some further considerations in the history taking in addition to some of the other concepts that we've reviewed in previous age groups would also include whether or not the patient has symptoms related to menopause. So those vasomotor symptoms, hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, changes in mood, changes in eating habits or weight gain, as well as sexual dysfunction. We can also assess here if the patient has any symptoms of pelvic organ prolapse or urinary and fecal incontinence. The physical exam does include a breast exam, which we offer to patients annually after the age of 40. Additionally, these women will undergo pelvic exams um, periodically with cervical cancer screening as previously described. In terms of screening, colorectal cancer screening should begin at the age of 50, and there are a variety of different mechanisms by which we will perform this. The direct visualization test, such as the colonoscopy, should occur every 10 years in women that are low risk for colon, for colon cancer. However, there are other screening techniques that the patient may want to consider and discuss further with their primary care provider. Additionally, women over the age of 45 should begin diabetes testing. If their tests are normal, repeating the tests can be carried out at a minimum of a three-year intervals. Next, hepatitis C virus testing. This is a one-time recommendation for patients that are born from 1945 through 1965 and who are unaware of their infection status. Patients in this age group can also be offered testing for HIV and other sexually transmitted infections if appropriate. Patients are also recommended to have a lipid profile assessment. This should be done every five years beginning at the age of 45 in patients that are low risk. Patients that are high risk should be considered to be screened earlier. High risk patients include patients with a personal and or family history of things like diabetes or peripheral vascular disease, multiple coronary heart heart disease risk factors, such as tobacco use and hypertension. Also in this age group, patients should be recommended for mammography. According to the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and as outlined in our podcast on breast disorders, Screening for breast cancer with the mammogram should be started at age 40. With respect to evaluation and counseling, 
again, in your discussion with these patients, you want to assess if they are uh, participating in high-risk behaviors, and they should be offered sexually transmitted infection screening if they are interested. Um, you want to really emphasize the, the importance of physical activity and diet and nutritional assessment, as well as calcium and folic acid intake and vitamin D supplementation. You want to assess for intimate partner violence, as well as discuss whether or not they have advanced directives. Patients may want to discuss in detail hormone replacement therapy if they're continuing to have um, significant um, vasomotor symptoms res with respect to transitioning to menopause. This is also a good time to emphasize the importance of breast self-awareness as outlined in the Breast Disorder podcast. Finally, we will cover the last age group as recommended by the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the older patient, the 65 plus year old. The emphasis here is on successful aging. We recommend taking a very comprehensive and detailed history, much like we have in the other age groups as outlined in this podcast, performing a physical exam and assessing for things such as the BMI, the blood pressure, performing a breast exam on an annual basis, as well as a pelvic exam. With respect to screening, colorectal cancer screening for women over the age of 76 through 85, screening should be made on an individual basis, taking into account the patient's overall health and prior screening history. Additionally, cervical cancer screening. So age 65, it is recommended that co-testing with cytology and HPV testing be done every five years. However, over the age of 65, so 66 or older, it is recommended that cervical cancer screening be discontinued in women with evidence of adequate negative prior screening and no history of CIN2 or greater. Adequate negative prior screening test results are defined as three consecutive negative cytology results or two consecutive negative co-test results within the previous 10 years, with the most recent tests having been performed in the past five years. Again, we recommend diabetes testing every three years, the hepatitis C testing as that one-time recommendation for patients born between 1945 and 1965 who are unaware of their, lipid, of their hepatitis status. We do recommend obtaining a lipid profile in low-risk patients every five years. Again, mammography screening, screening for breast cancer is recommended annually, um, starting no later than age 50, if they have not already initiated this at age 40. The, dis the decision to continue this past age 75, however, should be based on shared decision-making process, including a discussion about the woman's health status and her longevity. They also recommend screening in the office for urinalysis. These patients should also be screened for osteoporosis with a bone mineral density screening. In the absence of any risk factors or any new risk factors, women should not be screened more frequently than every two years. You may decide to perform bone mineral density screening earlier than age 65 in patients that are considered high risk. High risk includes patients with a medical history of a fragility fracture, body weight less than 127 pounds, 
medical causes of bone loss, such as medications or diseases, or parental medical history of a hip fracture, if the patient also is a current smoker or has an issue with alcoholism or rheumatoid arthritis. Patients in this age group are also recommended to have a thyroid-stimulating hormone or thyroid function testing done every five years. With respect to counseling, we would build on some of the things that we have already outlined in patients that are between the ages of 40 and 64, but in this group, we also try to assess for things such as whether there are issues of neglect and abuse at home, again, intimate partner violence, depression, sleep disorders, lifestyles or stressors, whether the patient has advanced directives, and then assessing for their cardiovascular risk factors. Among women, cardiovascular disease causes more deaths than malignant neoplasms, chronic lung respiratory disease or Alzheimer's disease, and accidents combined. And so we definitely want to recommend effective lifestyle interventions to prevent um, cardiovascular disease in this patient population. This does include things like encouraging smoking cessation, encouraging physical activity and weight management, as well as a well-balanced diet. In this group, we also want to really focus on injury prevention, so occupational hazards as well as preventing falls, safe driving practices, um, and visual acuity. So this was quite a bit. We made it through. We covered the annual exam for patients of different age groups. I encourage you guys to use this information to read through the cases out, as outlined um, in the APCO Educational Objective number three, as well as Educational Objective number seven, and attempting to work through those questions, recognizing that all of the answers are buried in this podcast. Good luck to you guys. Let me know if you have any questions.